and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of ESSR Central. As you can tell, it is a female host and it is me, it is Sarah and I'm a little bit delusional. Because that sounded much better in my head. But anyway, welcome to this episode of ESSR Central, you know, the news heart of the podcast the second important show other than the future shows i don't care about saturday draft life i kind i kind of care about east me west but it's because they don't throw it in your face all the time <laughs> saying that i have just managed to offend at least one of the hosts of saturday draft live hello dave how are you today hi sarah and let me just make it perfectly clear. Saturday Draft Live is the most entertaining and consistent show on this entire back catalogue. So didn't give me any of your cheek, all right? <laughs> I'll do what I want. Because I'm the host today. <laughs> if I want to go, me, 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 then I will go. Me, 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 me. And joining me as well today, I did not manage to insult him because I prefer East meets West over Saturday Draft Live. It is Mr. Grant McRobbie. Thank you very much for having me, Sarah. And you know, like you know, Saturday Draft Live boys like to make a noise and that. East Meets West boys were respectable, like our friends in the Far East. It's all about the respect. I mean, I was going to say that you quietly <laughs> creep around because um, it's just you and Scott, but I'll tell you. We know in the night out, I'm not the quiet one. <laughs> no, no, that is true. <laughs> See, before we get started, um, talking about all the fun things that's happened in the past week, a little bit of housekeeping just before we get started. So, as always, going to sound like a broken record but make sure that you're following us on social media facebook twitter instagram you can find us at suplex retweet mind we also have our facebook community page as well just for chatting and finding about the latest things so so we have emily hayden with her twitch channel we've also got quiz showdown happening every month as well as keeping up to date with saturday draft live and any of the other shows coming up also, guys, don't forget, if you are not subscribed, why are you not subscribed? Just hit that follow button. Hit it. Subscribe. We're on Anchor. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. We're on all good Android podcasting sites. You can find us. Just search. And don't forget, we do have our website and our newsletter that we have reinstated um, because we, we got lazy. I'm not going to lie. We got lazy and forgot about our newsletter. But now it's back. It's okay. And you can get everything that's been happening in the past week in your inbox. As easy as that. So, guys, it has been a fun week, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has been a fun <laughs> week. We will start with, obviously, the biggest talking point of the past week, which was AEW Revolution. Dave, mm-hmm. in a few words, did this actually live up to your expectations? Um, most of it did, yes. Um, although I'm hearing the, the famous phrase that comes to mind is, this is how the world ends, not with a bang, but with a whimper. And I think that pretty much sums up how the exploding barbed wire death match went, unfortunately. And it's been memed to, to high heaven across the wrestling community as a result. Yeah, we will talk about that a bit later on when we get to, you know, the big main event of the show, like the big drawing point. But I want to start with the buy-in. Grant, I know how happy you were to have this surprise person coming in to team with Britt Baker because poor Reba, not Rebel, uh, was injured for their tag team match um, with 
Thunder Rosa on the kickoff show or on the buy-in show, tell us, tell us about our grant because I know that you know pretty much everything there is to know when it comes to Japanese wrestling. Maki Ito finally getting a show in, in America. She's been a kind of a cult hit coming up through like Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. Kind of got her name out there a lot just from that, but also teaming up Chris Brooks when he went out to DDT. She's hilarious. She looks cute, yet she's got the most foul mouth, as seen for anyone that's watched Being the Leap when she met the Dark Order. Surprise, motherfuckers! <laughs> <laughs> to the biggest pop. And yeah, I, I, I popped that loud. I woke up my whole household at the back yeah, of the night. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me, um, because we had seen her in the AEW Women's Eliminator Tournament. Obviously, she hadn't. she had actually been used by AEW before in just a very, very brief time when we had the Joshi match. Um, I'm pretty sure, was it Revolution last year that we had it? Yes, it it was one of the two. It's been that long since. I know, it's been that long. I feel like 2020 is that much a write-off. Was it actually 2019 at hand? It'll be 2019 then, yeah. (laughs) Um, It was either that. It was one of the last shows we had when there were still fans. I think there might have been 2020, because was there a Revolution pay-per-view? I don't think there was a Revolution pay-per-view in 2019, because AEW launched in end of 2019. Probably. See, this this is what happens. Like lockdowns just fucked with our heads. Yeah, it makes you um, lose back a time. I'm pretty. Aye, well, <clears throat> without having to go, you know, searching on the internet, I'm pretty sure Revolution was the last show that we had when we had fans, and it was showed with Joshi wrestling, which it it probably wasn't perceived well, um, by some people because obviously Japanese wrestling, you either love it or you hate it. You, like there's like no really in between. So when I saw that this cute, little, adorable-looking young woman popped up onto my screen, I was like, oh my god, she is so cute. And then the foul language coming out of her mouth. (laughs) I was just like, oh my god, it's something you don't expect. You absolutely did not expect that to happen, but she's one of the biggest trolls on the internet as well. Oh yeah, like the fact that she winds up Jim Cornette on Twitter calling herself the god of shit and uh, like coming out, actually let her sing her entrance music as well, which is incredible. <laughs> I love I love that enthusiasm. I mean, Dave, anyone that pisses off Jim Cornette is good in our books. So. Yeah, I mean, no complaints from me, but um, yeah, I hadn't actually heard of Mac- Macchietto before, but it's uh, it sounds like, you know, it sounds like something you'd want to sort of pick up on, mm-hmm. for sure. Well, as like it was easily predicted when it came to um, the dynamite that followed. Um, no, the dynamite that followed is this week. Um, but what followed? Wait, was it? No, it was. It was a dynamite that followed. See, my yes, because dynamite's on tonight. That's what it is. Uh, so last week's dynamite. Um, she actually still was hanging around the company. So she's and she's going to be in a six-woman tag team match with Nyla Rose and Britt Baker. Uh, taking on, is it Ryo Mizunaki? Yeah, Ryo Mizunaki. Ryo um, Mizunaki. Uh, I can. I don't know if I was going to pronounce her name right. Uh, Hikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa. So, are you guys happy that you're maybe getting to see more women, more women in the women's division? Mm. I mean, we we criticise AEW a lot for having a really awful women's division, but it looks like they're taking a step in the right direction. And with the addition of Makito, I think they're. Uh, they're definitely uh, off, off to a flying star with it. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. I felt that like she really added to that match at the buy-in. It made it a really entertaining match because she's got quite a mad style doing the kokeshi, like what Honma does in New Japan. Mm-hmm. The hardest head in all of wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just use your imagination with that phrase. Oh yeah, we're gonna just move on because the, fir- the, ma- the opening match of the show was for the tag team titles now. Did you two expect this match to be the one to open the show? Did they not announce it was going to be opening the show just so that there was no... I don't know. I, uh, fell, I fell asleep at like nine o'clock that night. So yeah, I, don't know. I, think, I, I think it was just <laughs> to prevent uh, people second guessing whoever won the tag team battle royal because I think if people assumed that went on first then they could probably make a prediction on who would uh, who'd win the tag match. I think it was better to actually have the, the title match go first and then see who the challenges were. It was quite a, quite a clever piece of booking, I might say. And I know a lot of people were expecting Jericho and MJF to come with the, come away with the win. I think I might have been one yeah. of the, a handful of people on this pod who said that the Bucks were going to retain. And yeah. I'm, I'm glad it came to fruition, but we, we talked about it on the Revolution preview show, which was streamed live on our community page. It's that um, I think this, because uh, we're, we're so accustomed to seeing great tag team matches like Omega and Hangman versus the Bucks and the Bucks versus FTR. You'd have thought, you know, Jericho and MJF might not live up to the hype um, compared to the other tag teams. But you know what? I think this this one went above expectations. So there was a lot of fast tags, a lot of dirty tactics being involved. But that's what you'd expect from mm-hmm. the inner circle. So I think it, yeah, it definitely, it was above my expectations. That's what I'll say. Mm-hmm. And Grant, see the actual quality of this match? Like, was there anything that properly stood out for you with this match? To me, I'll, I'll be honest, there wasn't anything that kind of stood out compared to their previous matches. It kind of felt the Young Bucks were going to the well as normal. But there's still something exciting about that. I think the fact that they don't wrestle as regular, mm-hmm. even though they're even though they're the tag champions, they make their appearances, but they generally kind of don't wrestle apart from the big events at the moment and the odd match here and there. Um, I was very pleased with the match plus the fact that it got me the full five points for the sweepstakes to make me the champion <laughs> yeah that's yeah. right I think we, we need to first mention you know Grant won the yes won the sweep Grant, he's the new SSR champion our champion yeah. right now <laughs> he, that, our champion. that's your second reign now Grant and I've just got to try and hold on to it as long as possible but I know that I've got my co-host from East Meets West working like a shark in the water yeah well so well, she'll need to, if you don't defend it against Scott beforehand, then you'll need to defend it at the Fastlane pay-per-view that's coming up. So fun, fun times. But no, you, you got everything bang on the money um, when it came to our regular sweepstake, which is a, a very big well done because like, I'm the one that came in second behind you. Um, and I'm not actually at all better. I was like, if I'd rather you than, you know, the person that was behind me is Stephen Wilson. <laughs> so it's all right. But <laughs> see the result. We had the Young Bucks obviously retain their championship against MJF and Jericho. And we've seen this week uh, or last week on Dynamite that the implosion of um, the Inner Circle or the implosion of maybe Jericho leading the Inner Circle is going to be coming to head this Wednesday. Grant, do you think MJF is going to get away with his master plan? He's probably going to overtake like take over the inner circle and kick Jericho out I don't think it's going to happen as fast as that AEW's shown that they're willing to hold off on things I mean how many times do we have the Bucks being teased as heel all out and mm-hmm. you know they're they're still not quite fully heel you know so there's there's definitely more wiggle room um, and we've got the unknown of Sammy Guevara 
lurking around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that is true because we haven't actually seen Sammy Guevara um, since he left the Inner Circle. There was the realisation that Impact wanted him to be the third member of Decay, um, which obviously brought us Black Taurus, which, looking at it, Sammy Guevara in Decay does not make sense. Um, but they've it was just the hint because we're going to have the war council because mm-hmm. who doesn't love when Jericho gets in front of a podium because we're going to get to see big Eric Bischoff oh, tease yeah. him and fuck with him again <laughs> but do you think do you agree with Grant how it might be going to hold off or do you think the implosion is going to happen sooner than what we think see I'm hoping this this evolves into long-term booking because there definitely is some intrigue some mystery around it you think oh could it go this way could it go that way I reckon uh, since Jericho and MJF failed to capture the tag titles and they put themselves forward originally as the tag team to represent the inner circle, I think that this could encourage uh, Santana and Ortiz to maybe say, okay, well, you lost this time. Let us put ourselves forward as the main tag team. You know, we've we've operated as a tag team before throughout multiple companies. You know, they were LAX and TNA, am I right? Yeah. 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 So yeah, uh, yeah. I think this could create some conflict between these two, but it keeps uh, it. Oh, it creates almost like a civil war state type of uh, feud going, you know. But it doesn't indicate yet that mm-hmm. one person could overpower Jericho as the, the as the de facto leader. I think that's that could be saved something for maybe further down the line, maybe at the next pay per view. I'm not entirely sure, but I would rather see a tag team conflict between Jericho and MJF on one side, Santana Ortiz on the other. And then maybe I don't know where Jake Hager would stand. I think he would just just stand and look. Uh, stand and stare, work yeah, Stand and stare, <laughs> hand across his chest, <laughs> we the people and all that. <laughs> um, well, because like the next pay per view that's coming up for AW is at the end of May for Double or Nothing. So mm. it's to think, will that stand for the next two and a half months? Um, well, I mean, there's, I think... like, there's the same amount of gap between NXT takeovers usually. I think they could pull mm-hmm. it off. Yeah, they probably could. Um, I think because we've been sort of waiting since before the turn of the year um, with this whole MGF trying to get into the inner circle and Sammy not really trusting him. So you never know. It was it was definitely hinted last week that changes are going to be made. Um, so who knows? Who knows if MGF is going to try and take over the inner circle? It's probably going to happen uh, sometime. But mm. I would like to see Sammy Guevara, you know, return because I, I kind of missed them <laughs> you know i'm pretty sure one of the the people in the pod said i can't remember who exactly i think it may be may have actually been either you said or the goat that said we want to see a, a sammy guevara and paul white tag team i think that might have been the goal i don't remember saying that i uh, because i think it was on a couple of centuries <laughs> ago that he was saying uh oh how, how good would it be if we saw a sammy show team <laughs> yeah it sounds like a goat thing absolutely we're gonna like see continuing th- through the card. We have the casino tag team battle royal in the same sense of what we usually have for the casino battle royal, except it was on the main show, which is really really fun to see because usually the casino matches are on the buy-in, um, you know, trying to keep in with the whole betting thing. But the tag teams that were part of this, it was pretty much every single tag team except FTR. Mm. that you could possibly imagine i mean well leaving out luther and serpentico as well but you had the one thing i picked up colton gunn looks so much like his dad it is 
scary. <laughs> like, it was actually scary when I was sitting watching this. Like, Austin's got the wrestling ability down like his dad, like the famous and everything, but Colton just looks so much like his dad and I was freaked out. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> but we had loads and loads of teams starting off and something that Dan actually said to me, and I know it makes perfect sense, right? So you know how in WWE, Daniel Bryan does really, really well in Battle Royale and Royal Rumble style matches that never manages to win, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Jungle Boy seems to be this variation. He does so well in Battle Royals and all that sort of stuff, but he never quite gets it. He's always the last one eliminated, and this was the case. And <laughs> um, with this Battle Royal, Jungle Boy went and did it all, helped like protect Jurassic Express's chance, and then you know, Death Triangle were the ones to come out on top with Ray Phoenix. Like I, I was buzzed. I mean, I'm pretty sure I was one of the people that did say that Death Triangle were going to win this Battle Royal. Mm-hmm. Um, and what a showing, even just the last three of Pac, Phoenix, and Jungle Boy, like I would just love to see them three just actually in a match, just for no good reason, just chuck it on a card and I'd be happy. Alright, this was actually my favourite match of the entire card, given the... Because I, I always, before the pay-per-view I said I thought the ladder match was going to be my favourite, but this Tag Team Battle Royal actually really went above what I was expecting. They given because you know it was essentially it was a it was a tag team royal rumble with you know be 30 competitors but they come out two at a time instead of one and you know the the tension the drama the anticipation you think oh who who could it be who could it be and it, i think it just it, it had the atmosphere of a genuine royal rumble match and it's uh, so i think we were sort of spoiled with that one and i mean kudos to jungle boy as well when luchasaurus went out i thought you know that's it for jurassic express but I'm, I'm, the only thing I got let down by was I'm surprised that the Good Brothers didn't show up as the mystery team. Because I think that would have made it interesting for the Bucks. Yeah. Uh, who actually was the mystery team? Because it confused me. I'm not entirely sure to myself, to be honest. <laughs> I, I don't, don't really think, think there was a mystery I team. I don't think there was, actually, no. Because when I looked at the graphics, like there was three tag teams from the Dark Order. Uh-huh. All six of them. All six of the boys were in. And I was very upset when John Silver got thrown out, obviously, and Evil Uno, because Evil Uno's my favourite. <laughs> if Evil Uno can do no wrong. But, Grant, did you expect Death Triangle to come out on top? They were, again, I, I think I had like pretty much a perfect draft, um, not perfect draft, perfect sweepstake for like the first mm-hmm. half of the card. I was, I just had a feeling. I was like, Pac's not been getting to do a lot, but he's the, one of their biggest stars they've got. Um, you say Evil Uno can do no wrong, but uh, have we all seen that little the little selling spot that he done? It's one of the funniest things on the apron. He yes. literally ran the length of the apron. <laughs> I was howling at that. Like, yeah, ran the length of the apron just to hit himself off the pole. And I was like, Uno, what are you doing? What was that meant to be? <laughs> I was in hysterics. I was like, what is he playing at? That's going to be a botchamania. Mr. Uno can do no wrong. It's okay. Him and his beautiful eyelashes. <laughs> uh, you can tell I watch him on Twitch way too much. Every single week I'm, I'm there watching the Sunday Sus Squad. But who out of it, like, even if it probably wasn't Death Triangle, who would you think would have been like the next team to possibly win this? Mm. That's, that's difficult to say because, you know, everybody had a fair shot. I mean, if when 
John Silver, you know, was one of the last four, I think it was. I know I had, I had a feeling, you know, Reynolds and Silver might have won it, but uh, maybe even Private Party had a shot as well. But Death Triangle were actually not that high on my list of winners. I thought, you know, it would have been a close one. But yeah, it was, that, that's the thing, you know, with all those different tag teams, you know, you think any one of them would be credible contenders. <laughs> They face the Bucks, especially, you know, when private parties had a victory over them. You've got the reinvigorated Death Triangle. You've got Bear Country, you know, for, for some reason. <laughs> it's the coolest sounding name ever. Because and, they are bears. They are grizzly <laughs> men. Yeah. I, I just don't think you can pinpoint, you know, one team that mm -hmm. stands out above the rest because they're all really, really good in their own way. And that's why AEW's tag division is, is must-see. Yeah, Grant, I think you would probably agree that the... The tag division is probably one of the strongest divisions that we've got in just the whole of wrestling right now. Yeah, it's definitely one of the strongest. I think for me, the Battle Royale did show that while there's a lot of credible teams, there was a lot of them that were in there and I was like, right, there's three Dark Order teams. Of these three Dark Order teams, there's one that I can take as serious contenders and the other two would be kind of more uh, just really there to kind of pad in a match. And the two that I would take as the serious ones are Uno and Grayson. Um, because of their tag history as the Super Smash Brothers before they came into AEW. But um, mm -hmm. I would, don't get me wrong, I love Silver and Reynolds, but there is an element of there's a slight comedy value there. That, and I was like, oh, yeah. but if they get a chance to put on a serious side to show they can do the serious bit, they'd be great I mean, contenders. Yeah, I think one of my favourite things to watch was um, Hangman teaming with John Silver. Probably one of my most favourite things to watch. But it was actually quite sad considering that there was, you know, three Dark Order members, uh, three teams, and none of them, none of them did it. It was very sad. <laughs> our fearless, our fearless leaders will soon, will soon work out one of Grant. Yes. Starting the Dark Order. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Dave, he's just like, oh no, there's two of them. <laughs> Next up on the card, we had Hikaru Shida defending her AEW Women's Championship against the winner of the Women's Eliminator Tournament in Rio Mizunami. Grant, how awesome was this match? I, I love this match. I'm not going to lie, the last few minutes, it felt like someone had either got hurt or lost their gas somewhere. Mm -hmm. But until that last few minutes, this was one of the best women's matches that AEW's put on. Um, the chemistry between Shida and Mizunami is undeniable. They have encountered each other in the ring before. I, I loved it other than I say there's just something at the last couple of minutes a few of the strikes looked a little bit off and I was like is Mizunami just out of gas here she just ran out of puff <laughs> yeah I think that's probably what like going through the beginning of the match I mean you we all know that Excalibur really does his homework especially when it comes to imports and um, just because you don't want to be a commentator and not know who the hell you're commentating on um, and he stated that every single match that they had that there was never a clear-cut winner that they always drew against one another and um, which was quite a it was quite an interesting thing to to know um because i i wasn't familiar with hikaru shida before she came to aw i was not really that well averse with rio mizunami as well and um, i'm still getting to know uh the joshi side of um of japan like obviously i'm more exposed to the male uh, the male brand with new japan but as I would have to say this is one of the best women's matches that I've seen go on in a while. Mm. And yeah, I've got, a quote it, from, I've got a quote from Justin Barroso of Sports Illustrated. He said, uh, 
He described it as the matches, which was a, a hard-hitting physical presentation of pro wrestling that enhanced the meaning of the women's championship, which is something that AEW desperately need needed to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think at this time, like Hikaru Shida is now the longest reigning champion in AEW history right now, and not to put anything against the other women in the division, but some of the other challengers have not really stepped up for me anyway. Um, it's just sort of feel like they're just slowly building up. Like if they build it up and try and get themselves a solid foundation, I'm not against that. But it's if they either stay where they're at for too long or feel like they're going back. But if this is like a step in the right direction, then I'm all for it because I think like especially since we had Britt Baker taking some time off when um, she injured herself at the like start of COVID. Um, COVID in general as well stopping like a lot of competitors coming over and as well like obviously you've got Brandy getting pregnant thank god that she didn't do the um, Nightmare Collective stuff anymore but and then you had Chris Statlander getting injured as well which she could have been a really big star in the women's division but there was just like a sort of lacking yes I miss the books <laughs> I miss Chris Statlander you know who I miss Big Swole Oh, Big Swole, yeah. Right, Big Swole. She, she's been away for a while. Uh, they've been sleeping on her, and I'm no happy. Um, <laughs> but if I would say if they're if they are work, working their way up to like a better women's division, then I should hope so because the other aspects of AEW is completely fine. Don't fiddle with it anymore than you already have to. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of women, Penelope Ford, I love her. <laughs> but the past god knows how long now um there's been this ongoing thing between the best friends in orange cassidy with miro and kip sabian Mm. i mean poor poor chuck went and um you know ruined the wedding ruined the wedding (laughs) of uh, kip and penelope and chained miro to the side of the uh, to the side of the ring stopping them from actually helping the fact that orange cassidy was in a cake (laughs) <laughs> and this is what led to this is what led to the match because poor Trent's been out this would have been a great time see if Trent had been like storyline injured this would have been a great time for him to come back uh-huh. um, but unfortunately he is actually out with a legitimate injury breaking like semi breaking up the best friend and it's very sad but see this match I don't know what it is but Miro's not coming across the way that I hoped that he'd be coming across I mean Grant the best man thing I think there's only really so far that you can you can do the whole best man gimmick I think there was definitely flashes of the Bulgarian brute in this match it wasn't quite as consistent as what you would hope um, the way I look at it is, is clearly he's enjoying doing it he looks the happiest I've ever seen him um, even if it has been a bit goofy and stuff like that but we know Rusev can do goofy he can have a laugh I just want to see him going in there and kicking people's heads clean off <laughs> <laughs> I mean yeah we did get shades but Dave I mean they started off brawling backstage um, before finally making their way out and poor Orange like the fact that he doesn't use any energy it yeah. took him ages to crawl from the back but like Grant said, we did see past tense of the more aggressive side of what we know um, from his time in WWE. Aye. Like, 
I wasn't too overly invested in this match, given I think the storyline build overall was a, a little bit weaker than all the other matches on the card. Uh, but, you know, I think you guys summed it up best. I would love to see more of Miro uh, channel more of the Rusev energy into his current gimmick, because that's what made him a big standout competitor. Like, he was a massive guy uh, who could do... He could do wheel kicks, he could do super kicks, and he even had, like... He had all the power in the world behind him with an amazing camel clutch style finisher. He was he was vastly underutilized in WWE. And I think if they, if they just continue to ride that wave of momentum, you know, emphasize how good of a competitor he is, whilst have that little bit of a character to give him a bit of personality, that's where he's going to shine the most. Mm -hmm. And this is also a chance we've not seen Kip Sabian wrestle in ages, which to me, that's a bloody shame because there's so much promise in him and for being so young, that there's it's like its potential is unlimited in my opinion I, mean, I don't know if you guys agree with me yeah i think first time i actually saw kip stadium was actually on itv's world of sport when they brought it back in 2018 i i only saw him like on a couple of episodes there but obviously you know with itv world of sport they like to play the whole cheesy face heel dynamic and just milk it to, to the maximum but it, it just i think it sort of took away some of the authenticity that you used to get with uh, you know, these wrestling companies. But I see what they were trying to do, you know, sort of introduce new talent here and there. And Kip Sabian was uh, one of the ones that stood out because I think he was teaming with uh, with Easton Reese as well. Yeah. And But yeah, that was my first glimpse of him. And when he got signed for AEW, I thought, okay, yeah, he's definitely one to watch. Mm -hmm. And a wee bit towards uh, the end of this match, Grant, we could possibly see the breakup uh, or in a feud between Kip Sabian and Miro because... Miro decided to sacrifice the beautiful Penelope Ford and even though Kip technically didn't see I wonder what's going to happen because um, we have we are now starting to see a little bit of tension between the two I mean do you think it's it's going to end up where Miro's going to be the bad guy and Kip's just trying to stand up for his lady I think it was a good opportunity to kind of do like to uh, yeah I think you're right in the money there um, Sabian to go the face on it probably get ragdolled around for a few matches you know the the, the baby face it just won't stay down and I mean he is he's immensely talented I, I got the, the the luck of getting to see his last match in the UK before he went off to AEW and it was in like one of the tiniest venues in London but my god <laughs> boy, the boy can go he's really and obviously he had that uh, tag team with a person that I'm not going to mention the name of because I'm incredibly disappointed in them mm -hmm. um, but that tag team if that hadn't all went down that way I think that I think that would have actually been a, a ticket to stardom for mm -hmm. um, but you know this is a time for him to rebuild and a feud with Miro even if it's one that he's on the losing end of he could still come out looking good on the other end of it oh yeah I don't think I've ever seen Kip Sabia play a baby face before um, no so he, think, he works uh, better he works better as a heel I think yeah, well, he's super bad, but <laughs> we can always see what sort of what happens. You don't even need to be the babyface in this thing, um, because you know sometimes babyface and heel matches are a little bit predictable. So having a heel versus heel, who knows? I mean, Kip could just become neutral. We don't know. <laughs> but see this next match. It was the big money match. Hangman Page went outsmarted. Big money match. <laughs> in signing this contract in the lead up obviously we had seen the Dark Order had been trying to recruit Adam Page which 
I had only just learned of watching um, some of the best bits of the Dark Order on being the Elite when Hangman had actually applied to join the Dark Order and they never got back to him, which Brody Lee, God rest his soul, was very unhappy about. And so now this all makes more sense in my head. I just thought they were after just, well, they are after random people. But um, Big Money Matt decided, no, I'm actually going to try and, you know, twist my, na- twist my way uh, into Hangman's life like I did with Private Party. Unfortunately, Private Party is more impressionable because they're a lot younger. Um, whereas Matt just tried to manipulate a drunken Adam Page, which that's just how he spends his life now. <laughs> and it came up that Hangman knew exactly what was going to be happening, switched out the contracts, which it was very funny to sit and watch Matt's documented to the camera and Hangman's throwing away and signing his own contract. So that Hangman, if he won, he was going to get all of the money that Matt Hardy had made in the first quarter of 2021. And if Matt Hardy won, it would have been vice versa. But this match, I don't know what it is, but I just can't get behind Matt Hardy anymore. Mm. I don't know if you guys agree. Yeah, I agree. Like, when he showed up in AEW, I sort of couldn't really care less because uh, I think he sort of reached his peak with the broken gimmick. And when WWE uh, screwed it up, like they screw up everything else, it's, uh, I think it just, he sort of just lost his appeal a bit. So, and there were obviously there was the match with, uh, with Sammy Guevara, and he ended up with that horrific uh, injury. It, it just, I think, yeah, Matt Hardy's definitely lost his shine a bit. And I think, Dare I say it, I think Jeff's actually doing a lot better than him in, when when he's in WWE at the minute. Oh, yeah. Grant, I, I don't know if you are the same as me and Dave. Do you really particularly care about Big no, Money I, Matt right now? I disagree. I, I actually like the character. Um, it's, again, Hardy trying to do something new. Oh, yeah. um, he's, he's always trying to adapt. He, he has a lot of hits. He has a lot of misses. Um, he can still go in the ring. The stuff with Sammy Guevara, that was just unfortunate accidents. Uh, just really... A bit, of, a bit of bad luck but I, I was actually into this match I, I really bought into it um, we, we say like Hangman being like a, a bit older in Private Party he's still only 29 it's crazy oh yeah he's still he's still, he's still a bit of young child same age, same age as us Sarah yeah he's the same age as me and Dave <laughs> that makes me feel pathetic though but anyway <laughs> <laughs> to me the, the biggest crime is that Hangman Page is not in the main event scene right now but mm-hmm. I am praying for long term booking that he is the one to dethrone Kenny Omega eventually. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it writes would, itself. It would be a nice like full circle story. It's like Kenny basically abandoned me and now I'm going to take away everything that he loves. Oh, that makes for good TV. Mm. Oh, you can make a soap opera about that. <laughs> what I really loved about this match as well is most of the match, it was still a straightforward one-on-one match um, until, you know, Jack Evans decided that he wants money. I don't know where Angelico is, by the way. Um, it just seems to be Jack Evans getting paid off at the uh, moment. Trust, trust you to be looking for Angelico, am I right, Sarah? Of course I'm going to look for Angelico. <laughs> she wants um, a bit of the South African booty. No, I just want to take bad <laughs> pictures again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think like one of my favourite takeaways from this whole thing is the Dark Order were the ones to help Adam Page even the odds. Mm. and eventually win his match. I mean, they all came out to support him when he was going to get pushed off the apron. They all, Eva Luna was like, nah, nah, everyone get here, hold him up, push him back so that he could go and do the buckshot. 
and then them celebrating at the end. It's it's a proper feel good story. First round's on me, lads. <laughs> <laughs> that celebration was brilliant by the fact that two things: one, he held his beer round the wrong way at first and had to turn it round, which was obvious. <laughs> And then giving it to the straight edge Colt Cabana. Yeah. <laughs> and then Al- Alex Reynolds is just like, no, <laughs> I'll take that. Get <laughs> uh, on um, the apple juice. Oh yeah. Well, I think it's it's the friendship that is developed between Hangman and the Dark Order, because um, you don't always need to recruit people. At the end of the day, Dark Order have turned babyface in an ultimate way especially since the passing of Brody Lee, but they have actually turned into the babyface faction that mm-hmm. I don't think we ever thought that they would be. Um, and they're always, is, carrying, they're always carrying a TNT champion around with them in negative one. Yes, yes. There's a negative one. It's, it, was a, it was a shame not to see him there trying to like support um, number 10 when he was like in the, the tag team battle royal, but it'll still be, it'll still be good. He's probably back and, in school right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I forgot he's only like 10 years old, so... <laughs> I keep forgetting he's only 10, but then I again... Remember, I Nick, I Nicholas... Yeah, WWE the... had a 10-year-old tag team champion, I know. Yeah, so and they've got a 10-year-old TNT champion. There you go. <laughs> ah. Now, Dave, you said that this next one was the match that you were you were looking most forward to uh, mm. in the face of the Revolution um, ladder match now. Before we get on to the actual match, who did you guys predict to be the <laughs> the new, well, the added on person in this match, Dave? Well, firstly, Grant predicted it correctly. That's all I'll say. Uh, <laughs> but my prediction was a little left field. I said Shaq. I mean, he did disappear from the ambulance. So there is a missing Shaquille O'Neal somewhere. Mm-hmm. He was too big to fit in the ambulance and then he just vanished. Yeah, we, we joked about it on the preview show. It was like, he doesn't need a ladder. He can just reach up and literally grab the brass ring. Mine. <laughs> I mean, I, and it's, it, it sounds like really ridiculous booking, but I think given how he did a lot better in the tag team match that I, with Cody and uh, Velvet Sky and mm-hmm. Jade Cargill, I, I, I thought, you know, it would just be something that AEW probably might get away with. But then they say, oh, if WWE did that, oh, no, they're just being idiots. They're taking away from an up-and-coming talent. But uh, it doesn't matter. It's, um, <laughs> nah. Ethan Page was a, I think that was a safe bet, Grant, and you sort of hit, hit, it, hit the nail on the head. But what stood, the thing that stood stood out for me the most in this match was they literally had a brass ring above the above the ring rather than just say, oh, it's a briefcase with a contract in it or it's, a, I don't know, just like a... God knows what else. At least it's not like custody papers or anything. But <laughs> it was um, no. I think the the actual brass ring is a nice addition to it because it's a, it exemplifies the you know this match is full of up and coming talent. Now that's their chance to seize their opportunity. I think it's although I do think it's a bit of a stab at WWE as well to say oh we don't give them the chance to grab the <laughs> brass ring, but we're we're literally doing it for our our mid card here in the TNT title. I mean. It's there's fun jibes. Everyone can have fun jibes at each other in you know stupid ways. We've seen Impact taking jibes at WWE's uh, eye for an eye match, and we've seen people taking jibes at other things. It's it's all in friendly banter, even if they maybe take it a little bit seriously. <laughs> but I can't believe Grant that you actually picked uh, all legal Ethan Page. Like I would, I completely forgot that he was a free agent. I it slipped my mind and I said Sean Spears. Um, just because he had returned um, to help out Tully and FTR like the the Wednesday before, 
Um, so yeah, but the the return of all ego, Ethan Page. We haven't seen him since you know the the Karate Man ripped out his heart. <laughs> at Impact. <laughs> I wish he'd came back as a Karate Man. I would have lost my shit if that happened. <laughs> you can't kill the Karate Man. He comes back that with was... a he comes back with an arc reactor in his chest instead. <laughs> No, he just comes back with a hole in his chest. Oh, you can't God. kill Ethan Page. Oh, that's but, grim. But with all first, we, we knew that he wasn't really a fan of bringing the Karate Man to Impact. Um, and I think they probably did that just to spite him on his way out, unfortunately. But the actual match itself, I mean, you had some qualified matches in the lead up to it, but there were some that didn't even have to qualify. Do you agree that half of them had to qualify and some of them didn't actually have to bother for the likes of like Cody and mm. um, just getting put straight into this match Grant I wasn't a fan of some of like, them going down that route I, I felt because you know they tried bigging up saying face of the revolution someone knew well no Cody you've been there right from the get go Scorpio's <laughs> he's been a tag team champion as well um, Pentagon I wouldn't class as up and coming either <laughs> You know, it only to me really felt like there was two people that in that match that I would class as kind of up and coming, and that was Max Castor and Ethan Page because he's still he's still on the rise. Uh, I just I, I feel that you know I would have maybe mixed up the competitors a little bit. I think having Pentagon in there was absolutely fantastic. But oh, yeah. uh, come on, Cody, if you're going to pretend that you're injured and go off, you know. Fucking hide. There they are. Fucking hide. Did I know. They, the camera angles, you could see them all. Can I just defend Scorpio Sky's inclusion in this? Because I think Scorpio Sky's had a few brushes with greatness. You know, he, he's the first guy to pin Jericho in AEW. He's obviously, you know, he stands out big as a singles guy, you know, despite being a part of SCU. I think this SCU. was actually... Yeah. SCU. SCU. <laughs> I think this was his sort of breakout moment as a single star. You know, it sort of separates him kind of from SCU. And I think that's what he was needing more than anybody. But I mean, I had, I had Lance Archer to win this one because I think, you know, he would be a good uh, heel competitor for Darby Allen. But I'm not disappointed by any means that Scorpio Sky was able to have this sort of breakout moment. I'm, I think he's going to really make it work. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think like when they started doing the promo packages and the vignettes for Scorpio, uh, Scorpio Sky, you were going to see that they were going to try and make him that singles competitor because he's a lot younger than what Daniels and Kaz are. Um, even though like those two can still go and they're still one of my favorite tag teams, and I love Frankie Kazarian. Like, is Daniels not like his, is Daniels not like in his late forties? Yeah, he's in his fifties actually. Jeez, oh, and he, still, <laughs> and he, and he <laughs> goes like he goes like somebody half his age. Exactly, which is why he's got multiple contracts. <laughs> um, so I, th- I think like having Scorpio Sky is a breakout on his own for up and coming. Because if unless you were familiar with his work in like Ring of Honor, etc., you're not really going to know who Scorpio Sky is. He was just that guy that was in SCU um, and like the tag team champion, but on his own. Like Scorpio Sky is probably like one of my favourites to watch. Yeah, and they're they're not wasting any time with him going for his title opportunity either. I know it's like instantly you get Darby on Wednesday. You're like, okay. what? <laughs> no, no chance. <laughs> that to, was quick. No chance for Darby to recover. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like we'll Your talk about a street fight. <laughs> we'll talk about the street fight in a minute because that was crazy. But, um, it was a cinematic match as well. I thought this was actually going to happen live. Oh, we'll see. We will talk. We will talk about that after 
we discussed the rest of this match because there was a few spots, including Ethan Page getting a, a, a nice big welt of Cody's weight belt on his back. We had Scorpio Sky looking like he was going to die when he hit that ladder. Like, I was just like, oh my god, they killed Scorpio Sky. You bastard. No, it's not like that. And I didn't even get to yell that at the end and we will discuss that later as well. <laughs> you can tell, it's just like, it's made me angry because I can't do certain things. But, yeah, Scorpio Sky, I think Scorpio, out of all of them, winning, I would say is probably the best one in terms of being in the middle because Max Caster is still coming into his own like he annoys the shit out of me he really really does and that makes for a good heel but I think there's still a little bit more work to be done in terms of getting the character across and plus there's just some things that you don't say to try and get heat mm. with his little promo before coming out like when he was actually coming out to the ring um, but that's all part of the learning curve. I would probably say he he will be a TNT champion. I would say if not this year, by the end of next year, he would have definitely had the TNT championship around his waist. <sighs> Who doesn't love a ladder match? Now, <laughs> now we can talk about the street fight because I was very, very surprised that this was a cinematic match. They had not said anything about what was going to be going on in this street fight. To, so to see Ricky Starks and Brian Cage turn up in an undisclosed location with a wrestling ring, it was a bit ominous. But Grant, how mental was this match? Uh, it was it was brilliant. I mean, undisclosed location. It was clearly the warehouse from Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One. <laughs> hey! <laughs> oh, thumbs up for that reference. That's great. But this match was excellent. You know it. It made Sting look badass while mm-hmm. doing it in a way that you, ha- you you don't have to worry about if a bump goes wrong, how do you salvage this? It made him look strong despite the fact that he's 63 and I I, I personally loved it. Um, just some of the spots that Darby was doing were fucking giving me the fear. I mean, he is a crazy, crazy little bastard. <laughs> <laughs> but just this really to took, this took the cake. I was just like, what the Oh my god. It's when they swung him into the glass and then he's oh. just sitting there and it fell down on his head and I was like, oh, oh yeah, that's gonna that's gonna sting a little bit. You're gonna you're gonna feel that, son. <laughs> gonna I mean, sting. That's also the person that was probably in that body bag that got dragged by a car. He probably have probably went, Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'll get dragged around in a body bag. But Dave, see some of the, the spots as well, because we had a wee bit with Ricky Starks and Sting where it was involvement with the baseball bat mm. and Sting basically throws his baseball bat away and you're like, you could have used that. <laughs> I mean, it's no disqualification, it's a street fight. But I, I was curious as to how Sting would be sort of booked in this match because obviously, I mean, yes, he's taken a, taken a bump on Dynamite before, but, you know, it sort of pushes the boundary a bit. How many more could he take before he potentially gets injured again? Because... He, 2015, it was meant to be a career-ending injury, and I think they had to do quite a few things to try and protect him as much as they could, so maybe less of the weapons on Sting was probably the best decision. Uh, I mean, because if this match was live, I don't imagine he would have actually got involved that much, so going with the cinematic approach actually protects everybody while still producing something good. And now, we all have our own opinions on this pod about cinematic matches. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't, but I think in this case, it did work really well. 
Yeah, I think AEW seemed to hit the nail on the head when it comes to cinematic matches. They've actually made it work. Um, and I would say this match really... My expectations weren't that high going into this match because, again, I thought it was going to be live. I thought it was maybe just going to be in the ring. Sting wasn't really going to do much, but, like, just it over... It exceeded them. Like, I, I, I will put my hands up and say that... I wasn't expecting that match to be that good, but it was. It was really good. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you have Hook and Powerhouse Hobbs, can't believe they call him that now, getting involved as well for the rest of Team Taz. And but at the end, these guys are crazy. <laughs> like I, the Darby in the glass ball was definitely the the highlight of it. Uh, it's all just crazy. And then it went from one extreme of crazy. Two more crazy because Kenny Omega and Don Callis somehow constructed this exploding death trap that it was cool to start with until, you know, the letdown at the end. <laughs> the poor letdown. But Dave, see when they brought all the stuff out to the ring and it was all set up mm -hmm. with the, the mines on the side and three of the, the ropes all with barbed wire. What was your expectations? Because you have already admitted that you had not seen mm -hmm. an exploding death uh, wire death match, which I'm pr I'm probably sure Grant has, but um, that you no know, one was one was in Japan, of course. Mm -hmm. But what was your expectations <laughs> leading into this match? My initial thoughts were somebody's either going to die, if not get seriously injured. And there were a couple of spots that made me really wince and I think, oh my god, why on earth are they doing that? Like, particular, the spot in particular that stood out for me was the paradigm shift onto the, the table with barbed wire on it. And I'm thinking, how on earth, like, do two guys say, oh yeah, let's do that. That's a smashing idea. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, nobody could ever get hurt from that, from doing that. <laughs> and, oh man, it, this is just completely, completely out of this world compared to what I'm used to seeing, you know, being, you know, old King of Kayfabe in the WWE universe <laughs> and stuff. But this, this just cranked it up to 11. And I know, I know Moxley was a, an insanely hardcore style wrestler, but this was, this was just something else. And Kenny Omega as well. I mean, I, I think he's, I wouldn't have expected him to thrive in this match, but he actually did pretty good. I mean, Grant, first of all, Kenny Omega, his tag team partner in Japan is Kota Ibushi, and I think that just says everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Kenny going for like this whole crazy, crazy style match, it, did it surprise you? Surprising to see him go into a death match again after the, the one back in 2019. I was like, they went pretty mm -hmm. absolutely mental two years mm -hmm. ago, so they're going to have to go and up the ante, and you know, bar the finale, which we'll talk, we'll get to that point. I absolutely loved this match. This was exactly what I was hoping to see. It was the real. Dave got it right in the net. That paradigm shift was brutal looking. Um, I really want to get myself one of those exploding barbed wire baseball bats because <laughs> you could you could really someone's pissing you off. You just smack them with that, and that's it. They are gone. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think it was one of the craziest matches ever. I mean. The get up, you could tell it was going to be mental just by the get up they had Bryce Remberg in with his <laughs> wee biohazard mask. 
honestly, like, see, when I seen that, I was like, what are they doing to Bryce? What are they doing to poor little Bryce? Um, with his face shield and, you know, the white hands mad suit on, it's like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how that's going to protect you from, you know, explosions, but... I mean, sure, it'll protect you from COVID, but it won't protect you from explosions. <laughs> Like yeah, Omega, no, Omega was wearing jeans for a change, and that was like quite a good look for him. Oh yeah, like I, I, I like to see when they do actually dress appropriately for the matches that they're in. Um, I don't agree with like street fights with over pilot. Um, but yeah, th- this match, the blood, <laughs> the blood <laughs> everywhere, <laughs> and you're just like so much blood. I know. I mean, I. We all know that um, John Moxley's wife Renee is pregnant with their first child, um, so I thought this would have been a way to, you know, kill off John Moxley because we know that people like to kill off people on TV. Because <laughs> um, as we know, Mickey James got killed off in Impact, Ali got killed off in Impact, Ethan Page got killed off in Impact. I mean, it, yeah, Impact's the one that seems to kill people off. Um, so potentially, is trying to kill off John Moxley or take him off, the, take him off the like the bench for a wee while. Um, or put him on the bench for a wee while so that this could actually happen. It seems like a fun idea because I don't think anyone thought that John Moxley was going to retain, even though he is a hardcore junkie. Mm-hmm. I would say I think he thrives for pain, especially drinking the, you know, the the hip flask of whiskey beforehand. He's just like, <laughs> like with courage. I'm yeah, gonna need it. He knocks back the Jack Daniels like nobody's business, according to oral sessions. Aye. Uh, and I thought this was it was quite a nice ending despite you know the explosions not going off <laughs> the, um, expl- the explosions which look more like uh, sparklers and confetti rather than a, a genuine explosion <laughs> I will get to that Grant I can see you doing the sign <laughs> I will get to that I'm just looking for an explosion that's all I'm yeah looking we're for looking it. for an explosion um, because what it just seemed is like in the corners it was sprinklers and then just some explosions see if they'd had the explosions that they had on the side of the rings when they were hitting them might have made it a little bit more believable because like there would have been actual explosions but Mm. the way they made out is that everyone was going to die even don callis was like i'm gonna get out here you guys are fine (laughs) however and just when trying to escape with the good brothers because you know kenny omega can't go anywhere without his buddies but (laughs) I want to ask you guys this. Did you like the ending that they had of Eddie Kingston coming out to save his long-term friend, especially after we've had the story of Eddie basically saying that Moxley turned his back on them? Ah, that was a weird one because, you know, they were embroiled in what was arguably feud of the year in 2020 and now Eddie comes out to actually protect him from, an, from a, well, quote-unquote explosion. <laughs> um, that was quite an interesting dynamic because you know, I've only seen Eddie Kingston a handful of times on Dynamite and he was feuding with uh, Lance Archer, Lucha Brothers and Butcher and Blade. Mm-hmm. So to see him sort of come out and protect Moxley, that was... I was genuinely surprised because I didn't know, right, okay, what, what the heck's going on here? But I, I, I can't... I can't think about it without talking about that absolute duff of an explosion. Well, again, yeah. quote, unquote, explosion, which looked more like, you know... A, like sparklers going off at the Brigadoon Hotel when a married couple walks down the down the staircase. That's what it, that reminded me of. It wasn't like a a near death a near death incident. This more like it looked more like a celebrate celebratory explosion. Yeah, it kind of felt like party poppers with sprinklers. Ah, party poppers, yeah. Sparklers, party poppers with sparklers. 
I, I think the best analogy would be that for many it was what many women experience after, on a Tinder date where their Tinder date has been bigging everything up for the last three weeks of talking <laughs> and then they disappoint in the most epic of fashions by just, just fizzle out into nothingness fizzle yep. into nothingness um, it was although let, let's give it to him Eddie Kingston selling of that you'd have thought someone fucking shot him that was oh, incredible yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you find the video I recommend watching the video where someone has put the Titanic music over it and oh my god it works uh, every time oh. there's always somebody to put the Titanic music over I'll never let like go that. John I'll never let go <laughs> don't let go don't let go okay you know what there's enough room in this ring for both of us <laughs> You know what? We will share on our Twitter page. Um, I haven't personally seen it, but I look forward to it. And um, so, if whoever finds it, you know, either one of you two share it in the group chat. And we will share it on our Twitter if you have not seen it. At well, Suplex Retweet. At Suplex Retweet. We'll probably pop it on the community page if we can as well. But that, that, was, that was the actual pay per view of Revolution. But. There was one more thing that was going to be happening and Paul White, we know, formerly known as The Big Show, is joining or has now joined AEW um, as a colour commentator, a partial in-ring talent, as well as doing like interviews and everything with Tony Schiavone on Dark Elevation, which is going to be happening on their YouTube channel. He said that he had a scoop that nobody else knew that it was going to be and that this was a Hall of Fame worthy announcement Christian Cage is in AEW guys what do you think about that? I'm surprised honestly because I had this weird fantasy booking for Fastlane that well obviously Jimmy Uso has been tipped to return as well he's been back at the Performance Centre I was hoping to see Edge and Christian versus the Usos at Fastlane but now that this has happened I don't think there's any possibility of that dream match ever happening. But it's a, it is a big, another big acquisition for AEW. Maybe not as big as, you know, the big show was. Same with Moxley as well and Jericho. But he's using his TNA name though, Christian Cage. One where he actually oh, did, yeah. yeah, where he did finally break out as a single star and became TNA World Champion. So I can see they're sort of riding with that momentum almost, rather than just going with it's Christian, where honestly, he was let, I think he was let down in a lot of ways by WWE because they wouldn't clear him because of his injuries, but then he comes back at the Royal Rumble and you think, oh gosh, the possibilities will be endless now, just like when Edge came back the year prior. Uh, But yeah, it's, I don't know, I've I've got mixed feelings about it. Yeah, mixed feelings. Mm -hmm. I definitely don't have mixed feelings. It's Christian Cage, it's the instant classic, because if you don't know, now you know. (laughs) <laughs> I love that at Grant last, at last he's on his own Grant Christian Cage did you expect it to be Christian? I didn't expect it to be Christian I'd heard the rumour as a possibility but I was like well he's just been in the rumble but I think it's a fantastic acquisition and I was reading a, a bit of like a, an interview with him and how this all came to fruition and apparently like it, it, it was like it just came about really quickly he had a conversation with Tony and it was John Moxley that put him onto it mm-hmm. um and apparently it was just like they spoke a couple hours he was thinking this is going to go bad it ended up being excellent um, apparently the talk from the WWE camp is that while they are slightly disappointed that he chose AEW the WWE are blaming themselves for not t- 
taking action quick enough to secure him because it's their own fault for not being fast. Well done, WWE. Yeah, fucked just, up WWE and yeah. I love it. WWE, I mean, just WWE did. I mean, yeah, it kind of makes my Christian for Hall of Fame sticker redundant um, that's on my laptop <laughs> and my, you know, my campaign. But he could always still become an Impact Hall of Famer and he'll probably become an AEW Hall of Famer because he is going to outwork everybody. And I'm buzzing because I got that merch. It is on my way. On my way. It's on its way to me. <laughs> he could he could still be a WWE Hall of Famer. Don't forget, Billy Gunn was signed with AEW when DX got inducted. Was he? Yeah, because the Triple H was making the jokes like saying, Oh, we'll we'll buy up that pissing company just so I can fire you again. <laughs> I mean, with all fairness, when it comes to DX, Billy Gunn isn't really the forefront, so I don't think they care about Billy. But don't I don't think Ross, don't let Ross hear you that. Hear you say that. I hate Billy Gunn, I'm kidding. I don't Ross, actually hate Ross is wrong quite a lot of the time anyway, you know, so <laughs> he'll probably bugger off to Turkey before he like gets angry again. Oh, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, no. And we've actually just been told in the ESSR group chat that it will be finally happening at some point in July. We will be having a show about Christian Cage and let's see if I'm not on it, I'm gonna cry. I don't wanna I... host it. I don't wanna host it, but oh. I wanna be on it. Oh, I, I actually was under the assumption you were going to host it. I probably Sarah, will host Sarah, it. If you're not, if you're not hosting it, then I think yeah, we're just going to have to take it off. The, we're going to have to pull it off. I'm hosting. I'm hosting. I need to keep the show. <laughs> but yeah, I'm pretty sure it's getting released on the 27th of July. So guys, listen out for the best show that's going to be happening all year because it's going to be about Christian. Mark it in your calendars. Absolutely, <laughs> you better mark it in your calendar. I've marked it in mine. Anyway, that was AEW Revolution. Grant. Japan. Japan. Japan, yes. Japan, Japan, because there's been some fun things happening in Japan that cannot wait for East meets West. What's been happening in Japan this week? So for this one, before I go into the New Japan bit, I just want to add in a little bonus match which has came to my attention on the 14th of March for DDT. And there is a DDT Extreme Championship match. And if you didn't get your fill of craziness with Moxley and Omega, there is going to be a barbed wire coffin death match of Shun Makatsumata <laughs> against Chris Brooks. Sorry, Dave's face is a picture. Uh, I'm just saying, what? I mean, just when you thought exploding <laughs> barbed wire death match was enough, like, uh, I, I can't. I'm just going to, I'll stay quiet because I'm just going <laughs> to. Sorry, I just want to see you make that face again, Dave. <laughs> this this is what I love about it. The, the rules have been put into three bullet points. I'm going to read the most interesting bullet point last just because it's funny. So you put the opponent in a coffin and close lid to win. Standard coffin match rules. We're used to that from WWE back in the day. No rope escapes, no tap outs, no count outs. Bog standard. All weapons legal unless the referee deems it particularly life threatening. <laughs> <laughs> particularly threatening stands out to me. Yeah, it's probably not threatening at all. At Absolutely it... not. I could just picture someone pulling out a weapon. Ah, you can do some damage, that's okay. Then they pull out a knife, no, no. No, 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 no. No, that's too far. <laughs> not too far. No, not no. having murder. No, thank you. Maybe a, bo- maybe a box cutter, but not a knife. <laughs> so that, that, that's in happening in DDT, so I'm going to try and watch that because I'm still subscribed to that and they do put on some fantastic stuff. But New Japan Cup, I'll do a quick brief run through just keeping it quick as to what's going on here. Second round has been finalised. Evil will be taking on Jeff Cobb. 
big meaty slamming match. Uh, the Great Okan is going up against Toro Yano, um, so Yano is probably going to be shitting himself. Oh, Yano! Uh, we're going to have Goto against Shingo Takagi. Yes, get it, Rinji Okada. You're finally out in the first round, but it took a couple of slip discs, sadly, for that. <laughs> we have the first meeting singles in 16 years of Minoru Suzuki and Kenta. Oh, I love it. That is going to be brutal. I love it. The next match, I am going to say it. A lot of people won't like me saying it. I still am looking forward to this match. It is Will Ospreay against Zack Sabre Jr., that is going to be interesting. 15th meeting for singles. Zack Sabre Jr., you know, chops off Will Ospreay's head. <laughs> or twists him into a pretzel shape. <laughs> there is going to be Yuji Nagata, he's my handsome man, Sanada. <laughs> Come on, my boy. Uh, every year, have... every year, it might happen one of these years for you. We're going to have David Finlay against the least charismatic person on the planet since David Campbell, Yoshihashi. <laughs> For Yoshihashi, he always looks confused. And then the match which Jay White himself has advertised with my favourite caption for a match this week, which is Jay White against Hiroshi Tanahashi, or as he's calling it, Young King V's Old Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> of course he would say that. What the new like. Japan Cup is in effect. I'm calling it, it's going to be Jay in the final against Shingo. That's what I'm I going mean, with. I, I did say last year if Covid hadn't hit and Jay had been there, he would have won the New Japan Cup over Evil. Um, so no, I'm back. I'm, I'm back in this with you. It's the new Jay Pan Cup. That's that's what's going on with New Japan at the moment. This, the New Japan Cup's been going full full tilt, um, and we'll get back to more of that after the Cup the East meets West later on in the month. There's going to be a stacked episode to come. Yeah, all right, guys, look out for that. Obviously, on our pl- platforms. And we will we will let you know it's happening and please listen because we love Japanese wrestling. It's not just Grant and Scott, I like it too. <laughs> we did actually get a little bit of news um, before we actually came on air. Um, because WWE have actually now put their sales, uh, the tickets on sale for WrestleMania this year because they're, they're wanting fans there uh, and quite rightly so. I mean, if you can do it right, I don't have any problems. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about the tickets in a wee minute. Um, Dave, they're doing a double Hall of Fame this year because mm. last year they weren't able to actually do the induction of like Batista, the Bella Twins, John uh, JBL, etc. Mm-hmm. And they've obviously and Jason Liger was in that class as well, wasn't and he? And Jason Thunderliger was actually in that class as well. Yeah, so he'll actually get inducted in after having his one his one match with Tyler Breeze. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Still one of the best matches ever. One match WWE <laughs> Hall of Fame career sorted. Exactly. Um, and they've they've actually announced their first inductee of 2021 is Molly Holly. I think the fact that they've announced a woman first mm. over anyone else makes me feel so happy. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a quite an interesting first inductee this year because they usually go for like a one of the sort of more iconic male superstars. I, I, I can't remember who was first. Was it Batista? Was Batista first last year? Batista was supposed yeah. to be like the main inductee. Yeah. Of that class, yeah. Well, does that does that imply that Molly Holly's going to be the the main inductee for this class, I mean, or do you think because they're sort of merging it together, they can sort of get away with announcing her as the first inductee? I I would kind of hope not, um, and <laughs> because then they can't say the progression of women. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but. Oh yeah, Molly maybe? Molly. Yeah, Molly Holly, great great choice for yeah. 2021. Like. Maybe, maybe they could fit another woman in this year, and if if they do so, I hope it's Victoria, because you know people have been clamouring for 
Victoria to be in the, the Hall of Fame for, for years now. I, I mean, they always get frustrated, you know, whenever, like, I think a lot of people were obviously a bit annoyed that Beth Phoenix went ahead of, you know, Molly and Molly and Victoria, given that, you know, they're more seasoned veterans and Beth, albeit she was impactful and she's definitely worthy of a Hall of Fame career. She just didn't have that longevity behind it. But you know, I'm going off on a tangent here. Molly Holly, great inductee. And I think it'll be good like for the past, uh, the last year's class to finally get pro- get a proper induction. Yeah, because Grant, they never actually, like, they got all, all got announced. This is before COVID hit. We're like, Batista's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Drax the Destroyer is going to be a WWE Hall of Famer. And then it gets ripped away from us. From, you know, COVID stopping life as we know it from happening. How is how is it, like, from your perspective? Because you don't watch WWE religiously um, as you do in New Japan. Um, so having, like, a double double inductees um, instead of maybe like doing it like over two nights or something just having it all in the one go do you think that's probably the best way instead of just saying right okay no you guys are in the hall of fame there's your rings bye bye yeah I mean I can get why they do it I'll I'll be honest I'm kind of similar like how you get it like music with the rock and roll hall of fame and stuff I I honestly find it a big pile of fish (laughs) I don't need someone to say that someone's a hall of famer for me to believe they're one of the best of all time yeah um, I, I get I get the sentiment behind it, which is why I don't really go and knock it off or deride it or mock people for enjoying it. It's just something that I don't see the need for. Um, and you know, like at the end of every like Impact's got their Hall of Fame, WWE's got their Hall of Fame. Is AEW going to add their Hall of Fame? Um, are we going to make one doing it doing it like ICW and Progress as well? You know, it could just everyone could start saying they've got their Hall of Fame. <laughs> I mean, ACW do have a Hall of Fame. Yep. I think it's, <laughs> just, Car- it's just Carmel and yeah. Drew that's in it. Carmel and Drew. Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> 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 it's like, well, well, there goes that. Uh, there goes that plan. But yeah, because Drew, Drew was um, at the last square go that we had in the ABC and Carmel was... Oh, Chris, uh, well, I, that was there, too. How can I not, how can I not remember? Because I was gassed. Because I was pushed. <laughs> I mean, yeah. in all fairness, you know, it's been a while since we've actually been to any live events, so you suppose the memory gets a bit foggy. It was, oh, yeah. a, year, it was a year ago to the day on Sunday, because it came up in the memories when me and Sarah and that were at Fierce Females last March. Oh, my God, the last Fierce Females show. Mm. And I got to take care of Twisted the Twister for our good friend Emily Hayden who is now who is now part of this podcast for anyone who is you know maybe questioning why she is sharing her Twitter uh, right. not her, Twitter her Twitch <laughs> to our community page she is one of us yeah and she's on my the, girl she's on the feature show which came out this week as well she actually is because this week I've been babbling on about Christian so much that his counterpart you know the more liked maybe the one that people tend to like better <laughs> than Christian. Like, I, I, I go against the grain. I'm going to pick Christian. But the I will say, actually, people who recognize the name more uh, out of the tag team, but we have got a feature show on Edge that has been hosted by Jack Graham this week. And that is actually Emily Hayden's first podcast since um, the interview that, well, actually, it's not her first podcast. She did the all-women show with me. Um, which is still like our, our best show if you want to go back and listen to that if you want to listen to you know women babbling give a listen but, li- and listen to my kayfabe son Jack give it his all <laughs> <laughs> the thing 
not had that story in a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we've got we've got our feature show talking about Edge this week. Um, who as well is a WWE Hall of Famer? Who is going to be main event in WrestleMania? See, I brought it all back around. It's all relevant. It is all relevant. I promise you, everything that comes out of my mouth is relevant to this week. <laughs> I think, who would we like to see this year? Mm-hmm. Well, see, I would have thought Christian would have won. <laughs> I actually think he would have went in because of his return at the Royal Rumble. I actually think it might have been his year. And then he went, nah, cough him off to AEW, you had your chance. I read Sarah's article and she's right. I don't, he wouldn't have said that, but I, I would like to dream. See, because for, twi- for you know, we're sort of into the 2020s now. You'd expect, you know, a lot more ruthless aggression stars to maybe put, sort of put in there. So I, I'm just going to pluck out a few names that might... Uh, that might go in that were from that Orc Laser. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you imagine. Big Boss. Oh, Big Boss Man's already in it, isn't he? Yeah, Captain Big Insano. Hmm. Captain Insano shows no mercy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just saying, who was in the, who was in the Ruthless Aggression era? Because you had uh, Kenzo Suzuki, you had Luther Reigns, you had Deuce and Domino. Uh... I don't know. I'm, str- I'm struggling here. I'm really Gangrel. Gangrel? Oh, the Brood. <laughs> what about the Brood? Hey, I'm surprised Big Viss. I'm surprised that Gary and Ross have not campaigned for that yet. Uh, Viscera for Hall of Fame 2021. See, Gangrel would be a hilarious one because someone did tweet that off the, off the Twitter account, Vince McMahon Googling, which is one of the best parody accounts you can ever look at on Twitter. And it's just Vince, Vince Googling, should I sign Gangrel to piss off AEW? <laughs> <laughs> You think? I mean, obviously we saw Carlito in the Royal Rumble this year. Oh, I would have loved him. I have choice. I don't know know if he's quite Hall of Fame level yet, but I think if he came back and had another run, maybe because he's a multi-time Intercontinental United States and Tag Team Champion, he just never had the big, the big one. You know what? I'm surprised they haven't actually put Michael Cole for his contribution to the commentating. Like, considering he's been a very, very long-standing commentator and backstage interviewer with the WWE, I'm surprised. William Regal. Ah, uh, yes. 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 Perfect. Well, all right. Okay. So, not just part of you know, I want William Regal as the NXT Mount Rushmore. We want, we want William Regal to be part of the Hall of Fame this year. Mm. And I want him coming out. He's, I'm, he's a man theme, just like that match you had with Daniel Bryan. He's yeah. a man. He's such a man. man, such a man. <laughs> okay, well, that's going to be our campaign. So if anybody, if everyone could just get on Twitter with the hashtag, will you be go for HOF? 2021. It'll make my, 2021, it'll make my day. I mean, has anything else really happened this week? The WrestleMania tickets have obviously gone on sale as well, Dave. Um, mm. It's going to be good. Uh, they're ranging from 35 to about $2,500 as well. And I'm thinking, have you not seen That's this actually in America? a steal for WrestleMania tickets. Yeah. That's a steal. Aye, but don't forget, you know, these uh, a lot of American citizens have been struggling through the pandemic for the past year. And oh, yeah. they're, they're, they're going to get their, their $2,000 stimulus checks finally, which I think it's been long overdue. <laughs> but even still, there's only going to be a handful of people that will probably afford the best seats in the house. Maybe $30 yeah. tickets, you know, they could afford it. But there's a lot of rich people. Uh, hi. They're, gonna, people yep. they're gonna sell them in uh, limited capacity as well. They're probably gonna do the same thing because what because remember Raymond James Stadium also held the Super Bowl this year mm-hmm. as well, which was won by the Buccaneers. And they had about well, it's an eighty thousand seater stadium, but I think they only had about ten thousand fans in attendance. 
So mm-hmm. my estimation is I think they're probably going to do the same and fill the remainder of the seats with cardboard cutouts. I mean, I wouldn't put it past WWE, that would be quite comical. Mm-hmm. Imagine Randy Orton or the Fiends like setting fire to the whole crowd and it's just a whole bunch of cardboard cutouts. But you know what I'm actually excited <laughs> for about WrestleMania now? Uh, it looks like we're going to get a feud between Braun Strowman and Shane McMahon. See if they do like a last man standing or a false count anywhere. I seriously hope that Shane... Shane is off. not climbing. No, he is not. <laughs> I want him, I don't, just, let, don't hear me out. No. Let, <laughs> I want him to climb the Buccaneers pirate ship and jump off it. I mean, that's what Kevin Owens wanted to do um, at last year's WrestleMania. So he had to climb the side in, in the performance center and said. I mean, it was still high. Was, I mean, it's, it was pretty impressive, but still not as spectacular. It's getting to that point though. Shane McMahon blows his full gas in about five minutes and starts to sound like a giant, a dying giraffe. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh my god! South Park flashback. South Park the movie. <laughs> um, I think like there, there was one last thing to come out. So you guys always know that I watch Impact before I come and record um, the episode Essential, and I can see Grant's really, really happy about this. So. As I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, that Scott Demore had officially recognised the TNA World Heavyweight Championship as a championship in TNA. This week, he decided to up the ante a little bit. So, the, at the next, um, not even pay per view, it's Impact Special for Sacrifice, which I think is this weekend. Is it's it this a disaster for you at Sacrifice this Saturday. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's, it's this weekend um, that. The Impact World Champion Rich Swan is going to be taking on Moose. Moose for a unification of the TNA World Heavyweight Championship and the Impact uh, World Heavyweight Championship to create one title because you know Moose just decided he found a title. He was a champion. But then to further this, the winner of that will go on to what I'm calling my birthday pay per view because it is on my birthday. At Revolution for Impact, so on the twenty fourth of April, on Fight TV, you can get it. Obviously, I'm I'm free advertising, but it's my birthday pay per view, and I get to stay up and watch it because <laughs> I turned thirty on that pay per view. Um, the Kenny Omega is going to be in the main event against either the winner of Rich Swan and Moose, so the Unified World Heavyweight Championship of Impact versus Kenny Omega in a title for title match so Kenny Omega's had his eye on the, the Impact Championship for a while and Grab, we were discussing this earlier if, if this is the case he'd be Kenny four belts wouldn't he? Yeah he's going to end up turning into like the new version of Ultimo Dragon between him and El Desperado having pretty much the most belts in professional wrestling at one time uh, I am buzzing for this um, ideally for me Swan vs Omega that's the match I want yeah, that's the one that it seems to be working towards. I personally would actually like Moose, um, but if you can imagine Rich One, you know, running around Impact, that would be quite fun. If you can imagine Moose running around Impact, Moose and Lance Archer, ooh. Uh, see, Rick, <laughs> Omega versus Rich One would be interesting because obviously me living in the WWE universe, I, I only ever saw Rich One as far as 205 Live and he never really got a shot on Raw or SmackDown, maybe not even NXT to, a, to an extent. But to see him, you know, with the Impact World Championship, he actually he's gained a, a lot more credibility. And if he's able to defeat Moose, I would be very interested to see how he interacts with arguably one of the best wrestlers of the past de- past decade in mm-hmm. Kenny Omega. 
yep. top top off with the fact that we have Finn Juice against the Good Brothers at Sacrifice as well. The Forbidden Door yes. has well and truly been booted open. I mean, I know that David Finlay is supposed to be in Japan for the New Japan Cup. <laughs> it's like, this is the, the whole cafe parallel dimensions. We don't know how this has happened. Um, but we don't know how far forward. Or just Robinson's changing hairstyle. That he's now like Sideshow Bob in Japan, but he's still got fairly flat hair in America. Yeah. So <laughs> we don't know how far in advance Impact have actually taped, or we don't know how far in advance New Japan have taped. I don't know who's taping. One of them is taping clearly. New um, Japan is live. New Japan is live. So Impact are clearly taping, and um, so that obviously they're keeping safe. But plus, Rich Swan's wife is you know running around as Susan. Um. So that's all fun. That's all fun games to see. Trust me, I am Susan. Trust me, I am Susan. <laughs> and the fact that we have ODB challenging for the Knockouts Championship against Diana Perazzo this Saturday at Sacrifice as well, which that's going to be a fantastic match. We've got Jazz and Jordan Grace taking on fire and Faleva for the Knockouts Tag Team Championship. And you've got TJP and Ace Austin for the, for the Exhibition Championship. I mean... I mean, Grant, me and you are probably a little bit more familiar with Impact than what Dave is, because um, I think Dave, you're still understanding the whole yeah. fun part, the like, whole aspect of it. I mean, Swingers yeah. Palace, don't forget I, Swingers Palace. Hey, I'm more invested in NXT and AEW these days, unfortunately, <laughs> but I tell you what, though, they've done wonders with Diona Perazzo. Yes. Steve Cutler's Absolutely, yeah. And speaking of all this fantastic women's wrestling, I feel it would be remiss not to mention that there is a women's title match on NXT tonight. Yes, there is. Yo. Io taking on Tony Storm. Tony time! <laughs> Which is going to be an interesting match, and I'm sure we'll all be talking about it in the morning. Um, I just... I just wish that I could talk more about NXT. I haven't uh, actually been watching it that, as much as I wish that, I could. That's not the only title match that's happening on NXT. We're also getting Balor versus Cole. Oh, the Dave! Prince. Dave! I'm so proud of you! Well done, Dave. Thank you. That's just after me scaring him and Kwaku on the last time that me and Dave were on a show together. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, well, I... Yeah? I mean, I'm hoping... I hope it doesn't like you know end too abruptly, but uh, I get the feeling Kyle O'Reilly might interfere as well. I mean, who doesn't love Kyle O'Reilly? Dave, remember, have your tissues at the ready, whether it's for happy or sad reasons. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Nick! I mean, you Dave now understands how it feels to have a tag, like your favorite tag team or faction, break up I've right been, before been, your eyes. I've been DIY'd heavily. Exactly. <laughs> he got watermarked. Watermark, <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. But yep. you know what? I've got a choice between two Undisputed Era t-shirts I can still wear. So, um, yeah, no no, no harm given. Ah, I'm sure it's all right. And don't forget, guys, like we've mentioned on this already, the feature show this week is Edge. That was released on Tuesday. Jack Graham hosting with Marissa, uh, well, Emily Hayden and Alan. Everyone, would like, everyone who loves Edge was on that show. And get listen to it because it's it's such a good listen especially for someone who is a hall of famer and also like this is coming out this is thursday next week dave i've forgotten what's next week's show uh bear with me a <laughs> second next week's show it's going to be uh, a wcw related show the topic and discussion is still up in the air unfortunately but it is going to be wcw related right it's all about wcw which i have absolutely no idea about and then, um, the, fo- because- 
And then the following week, we're doing a review of WrestleMania 17, arguably the greatest WrestleMania of all time. Ooh, that's a good WrestleMania as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, is this when Steven's going to, you know, relive Austin and The Rock? Uh, I hope, that, that one? I hope so, yeah. And Ross is yeah. on duty as well. Oh, so, God, that's going to be fun. More- There'll be more conversations about <laughs> Linda McMahon and wheelchairs and chainsaws. Oh, so, <laughs> oh no, not again. <laughs> uh, uh, everything a growing goat needs. Oh dear. So yeah, we've got a great variety of shows and Gary has also released a whole bunch of shows for us, which we're all getting excited about. They'll be coming up all the way until July. So don't fret. We are always going to be with you. Even though we will be co- hopefully coming out of lockdown soon. We've been with you on this journey. Please stay with us on this journey. And make sure you are subscribed on iTunes, Spotify, any Android podcasting sites. Follow us on YouTube. We have our quiz showdown every month. Daniel Graham, uh, Daniel Graham, Daniel Campbell. Why did I say Daniel Graham? <laughs> Daniel Campbell is going to be hosting quiz showdown nine. That's going to be happening, and I am hosting quiz showdown ten, um, which I've had the guys working very, very seamlessly to get my like to help get my questions at the ready for quiz showdown ten in April. And then make sure we have Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Suplex Retweet, and also our Facebook community page, guys. I have been Sarah Grieve, and I have been joined by two very lovely gentlemen in Dave and Grant. Boys, thank you very much. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having us this evening. Uh, And we will see you next week. Bye. There now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown. Hello guys, welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell and in this show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're going to have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown.